You're tuning in to the Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal podcast. If you have a story or a guest recommendation that you think others need to hear, email me at wildweirdandsometimesnormal at gmail.com. Let's get this started. Alex and Brett, kick it! Wild. And sometimes normal. On this episode, I'm joined by Ashton. Ashton is leading the social media, well, actually any media charge of flight MH370. The flight disappeared in March 2014 and hasn't been found. Alleged pieces of the plane have been recovered, but it's less than 1% of the total missing aircraft. Additionally, the pieces that have been recovered have not been appropriately analyzed. The recovered pieces do not have serial numbers or the appropriate sea growth one would expect after being found in the ocean years after the plane disappeared. What has been recovered is a long-lost social media post of three videos that came out 72 days after the flight disappeared. Ashton has been one of the leading researchers of three U.S. satellite videos that show something almost too extraordinary to believe. The video shows a plane that is almost certainly flight MH370 based on eyewitness report. The plane is being circled by three UAPs for over 30 seconds, making a circular motion around the plane. As the UAPs appear to get into proper position, spinning around the plane, a portal or black hole burst out of the middle of the sky, swallowing the plane. Ashton provides all the details, evidence, and counter-arguments to the debunkers showing that these videos are authentic. We discuss the videos, the evidence, and the possibilities of what happened. Ashton and I spoke offline and discussed some of his future plans for exposing this cover-up. There are some amazing things in the works to continue to get the word out, and it was awesome that Ashton made time to stop by here. Give him a follow and let him know that you heard him on Wild and Weird. Enjoy the show. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey? Escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchase that vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email McCoach at kw.com. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients. Organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's wild, A-N-D, weird. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian, and tonight my guest is Ashton, who goes by just X Ashton on Twitter, and he has some interesting information on the MH370 flight. Welcome, Ashton. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on today. 
Hey, man, I really appreciate it. Sometime in, in August, early August, we had MH370 trending, and I ran across your post. I'm going to give a highlight of, of the narrative, and then mm-hmm. we can break that down. Okay. So anybody who's been listening to my podcast, I've talked about MH370 numerous times. I've talked about the Indian Ocean being so vast and it not being mapped, and this flight disappears. So Malaysian Airlines Flight 370, this happened on March 8th, 2014. There were 227 passengers and 12 crew on board. This leaves Kuala Lumpur International Airport and was going to Beijing Capital International Airport. Air traffic control lost contact with the flight less than an hour into the flight. Now, typically with airline problems, the big problems are takeoff and landing. And once you're in the air, typically they say there, there's very few problems in the air. So for them to lose contact in mid-flight is very unusual. After it was lost, it was tracked by military radar crossing the Malay Peninsula and was last located over the Adaman Sea. Analysis of automated communications between the aircraft and the satellite communications network has determined that, that the aircraft flew into the southern Indian Ocean before communication ended shortly after 0800 19-minute hours. The disappearance initiated a multinational search effort that became the most expensive search in aviation history. And with this flight disappearing, they recovered bits and pieces of the aircraft, but never anything major. So beginning of August, I start seeing MH370 trending, and I'm clicking and and following on Twitter and seeing what's happening. And I come across your post, Ashton. Can you take over from here and kind of give me an overview of what's happening? Yeah, sure. So around August 8th, uh, the MH370 videos reemerged on Reddit, on the subreddit UFOs. Um, they had been posted previously. Uh, the, I looked up at the last time they had been posted on that subreddit was in January of this year. And in January of this year, they had been posted, but I mean, downvoted to zero. And almost all of the comments were about how disrespectful it was to the victims, which I found odd in retrospect because the victims got no closure. The family of the victims got no closure whatsoever. So what happened was these videos had been ignored for nine years plus uh, and had been out there on the Internet Archive. But this time we saw two videos. And we noticed that they were both perfectly in sync. So when people noticed, the analysis essentially began to determine whether or not these videos were authentic. There's been dozens, if not hundreds, of posts of analysis on the UFO subreddit before the discussion was subsequently banned. And that analysis, in my opinion, conclusively shows that these videos are, if not partially authentic, completely authentic um, from start to finish. So... Essentially, every single aspect of them has been analyzed and verified. And every single time we dig into more of the aspects of these videos, we simply authenticate them even further. The mainstream media narrative is that one of the leading theories is that the pilot, he had a a simulator in his home and he was flying all these different routes. So one of the narratives being pushed Mm -hmm. is that this was pilot suicide. That he mm-hmm. went up to a certain altitude and then depressurized the cabin. Everybody in the cabin uh, and the passengers, they passed out. He was still awake and alert, I, I guess an oxygen mask or something. And then he flew this until it ran out of gas and crashed in the Indian Ocean. So it was by suicide. Very sad that's what happened. Very sad for, for this man's family and all of that. But shortly after the incident, a few weeks after the incident, these videos you're talking about a- appeared on Reddit, correct? 
Yeah. So the videos actually didn't necessarily appear on Reddit right after the incident. And I want to address that theory. So the situation with the evidence and the narratives that have been presented to the public, the reality of it is there's no actual evidence that supports those theories. So for example, the suicide myth, as I call it, everybody stood up for the pilot, both his family, his wife, the peers that he worked with, and all the officials. There's no indication of suicide intent anywhere in the flight path or the route. For example, you know, if you look at the German wings uh, pilot who crashed into the mountain, or if you look at United Airlines 93, which on 9-11 was crashed after the passengers tried to take it back over, it's extremely unlikely for any type of suicidal scenario for the plane to keep flying for any long period of time. He did have a custom simulator, a very large custom simulator that he had, that he flew a lot of routes on it. The route that they claim was similar to the route that he flew is actually more similar to MH150, which is a route through Jeddah, and it goes to the northwest from Kuala Lumpur. And that route then essentially does have a, a diversion point that was either in the South Indian Ocean or the South Pole. The counter narrative is that he was kind of a flying and gaming nerd and loved to fly and loved the simulator. So the idea is that, you know, he was practicing that route and then went ahead and decided, I'm going to go fly to the South Pole and have some fun, right? He was actually rostered to fly MH150 on February 4th. In addition to that, they talk about him potentially turning off the computer system at 1721 UTC, which is when the initial plane goes dark. And after investigation, it appears to be impossible to disconnect all four electronic generators and the APU simultaneously within the 64-second window that he had. In addition to that, some of the narratives that they spread about it are just absolutely silly, like the fact that he was flying to Penang, Langkawi Airport to say goodbye to his hometown, when in fact that airport is the closest airport that can accommodate a 777 in an emergency from where they were. And then if you just think about it, like you mentioned, the depressurization scenario, I talked to some pilots. Depressurization is not a fast event, especially if it's not like a door or something huge that's blown off the plane. It takes a very long time, and then the masks would drop down as well. So in order for any scenario in which the, the passengers would become incapacitated to be realistic, the mask would not, not have to work, and there would have to be an extremely fast depressurization scenario, which is not very realistic. In my own opinion as well, if I was on a plane that was being diverted by somebody who was a hijacker or a rogue pilot... I don't care how strong that door is. It's not going to take very long for me to get it down. And then in any emergency scenario, the plane is not going to last until it runs out of fuel. The narrative that the plane flew until it ran out of fuel and he was on some kind of joyride to the South Indian Ocean is ludicrous on its face. In addition to that, just in terms of the search, as you mentioned, it was the most expensive and largest search in history. And the official search actually found no debris whatsoever above or below water. The debris that was found was found by independent people not associated with the search. So real quick, talking about mm -hmm. rushing the cabin. And after 9-11, they started putting the, putting these strategic measures in place of the drink cart being in the aisle and things to slow you down. Mm -hmm. So it's not that the cabin, you could never breach it. It's just they, they mm -hmm. put obstacles so that you know the air marshal will get involved. Other passengers will subdue you. You won't have this clear run. But if all the yeah. passengers were like, hey, we got to get in here. It seems that like that would go in your favor that you could access it. And after hours of it just flying and you're like, this isn't the direction we're supposed to go. Yeah, definitely. And as we'll talk about, the big part of this is breaking down those narratives and those myths that have been put out there by the media and then getting to the point where we can analyze the content of the videos to realize that what we see in the videos is actually completely consistent with all of the evidence to date. 
do you want to give a little highlight of, of what these videos show? One, where were they found? Mm-hmm. How were they released? Why yeah. did they go unnoticed or, you, you know, they, they weren't trending, you know, for nine yeah. years that, that they went off the radar for that long? Yep. No pun intended. Yeah. Uh, and, and then how they come back and, and the excitement for it now. Yeah. And I think that's actually something really important to talk about, which is that I actually remember seeing the thermal video in 2014 and just not giving it any credit because I just assumed it had to be fake. And in order to really understand these videos to even be real, you have to have a, a basis for what they should look like. And so some of the requirements for that would be that we need to understand what FLIR technology, forward, uh, I'm going to butcher it, but infrared technology that the military uses for their cameras, which we found out in 2017 when the DOD released the Navy videos of the UAPs. And so we had a basis for what that video should look like, which is consistent, not exactly, but somewhat consistent with what we see from the thermal. What these videos are is they were released. um, The first one that was released was the satellite video. So there are two videos that are both They're both identical. The satellite video is presumably a satellite that is being relayed through NROL-22, which stands for National Reconnaissance Office Launch 22, also known as USA-184. This is a satellite that's in a Molina orbit. I'm going to butcher that as well. But that what it means is that it essentially sits around the North Pole most of the time, which is in a perfect location to be looking down at the rest of the Earth to relay information to that satellite. In our satellite and thermal videos, we see the same thing. We see a plane that has the same pattern and color pattern of Malaysian Airlines that is a 777-200. It appears to be relatively low altitude due to the fact that we see cumulus clouds next to it, which only form at low altitudes. It seems to be taking a left-hand turn consistent with a circle formation, and it seems to be descending as well. We see the same thing in both videos. Uh, As it begins its turn, all of a sudden, an orb comes from the side of the screen at extremely high speeds, seemingly unimpacted by gravity. This orb shoots past the plane and then comes boomerangs back on it and then begins to, I can only describe it, circle around the plane. Very soon after that, you see a second orb. If you look closely, you can see it come from the water and shoot up through the cloud and begin to circle around the plane in a similar formation. Very quickly after that, a third and final orb also shows up from off the side of the screen, and they lock into a triangle pattern around the plane. Once they lock in around the plane, they begin a a formation that has been graphed and appears to be similar to like a sine or cosine uh, wave function. And this goes on for about less than 30 seconds while this these orbs are in a perfect block triangle formation spinning around the plane, keeping the triangle perfectly equilateral the entire time. As the plane continues forward, the orbs actually change orientation to a point where they form almost a ring around the plane, perpendicular to the direction of movement of the plane. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a zap that happens within a fraction of a second. And this zap encompasses the plane, and then the plane and the orbs are gone. In the satellite video, the person, the leaker, who is filming the satellite, moves the screen over to the right to show us that there is no plane, that this plane did not go somewhere over to the right or somewhere else off the screen. And then they close the recording window that they were using the screen capture on to record this. 
So these videos were first posted by the account named Regicide Anon. The satellite video has a description in it that says received March 12th, 2014, which is four days after the event of MH370. It has, it was actually uploaded May 19th, 2014. It's roughly 72 days after the, after the events of the videos or after the events of the plane. So in this scenario, somebody who was going to fake this video only has between four days and 72 days to fake the satellite video. There's something extremely important about this satellite video. When we see the original archive footage from Regicide Anon, we can see that the video is actually two videos side by side, and they look to be scrunched. At first glance, it appears as though these are a duplicated video side by side. But upon further analysis, it's been proven that this is actually two different cameras at a very specific distance from one another that are creating a 3D stereoscopic video. So what that means is that this is two satellites that are next to each other in the same orbit that are both looking down at the same location at slightly different angles. And then when you overlay those footages on top of one another, which we have done, it creates an actual 3D video that you can put 3D glasses on and watch. So this is extreme, an extreme amount of evidence and detail. What this essentially means is that the person that leaked this video thought that they had absolute proof within the first video. The reason for that is there's not a lot of satellites that have that capability that can that have two satellites next to each other. And we were actually able to determine exactly which one it is, which we'll go into in a minute. But what happened is that we ignored the video. It came out on May 19th and nothing happened with it. After looking at some descriptions of other versions of the video that were uploaded, and there are other versions of the video in higher quality that were posted later, which indicate that neither Regicide Anon or the other people that posted the video was the original source. So essentially what this means is that these videos are very likely to be real and come from a third party leaker. Now, when we ignored the videos, the leaker didn't stop. So on June 5th, there was a second video that was received by Regicide Anon as a description received June 5th, 2014. Upload date, June 13th, 2014, a week later. So roughly two weeks or three weeks after the first video was released, the leaker leaks a second video to Regicide Anon. And this video is of MQ-1C Gray Eagle. And it appears to be using an electro IR camera where the leaker is added a thermal filter to the top of it custom. And the reason why we believe that is because users on Reddit have actually stripped that thermal layer and you can see more detail in the clouds um, than with the thermal layer on top of it. Now, there seems to be some intent with respect to leaking that thermal. The reason why they seem to have colored it is because they wanted us to see more clues that would be able to give us absolute proof of the authenticity of these videos. One thing that we see very clearly is that we can see that there are trails actually in front of the orbs, not behind the orbs, but in front of them, black cold trails. And those black cold trails are presumed to be some type of electromagnetic force that's being generated that's acting as a gravity engine for the orbs, allowing them to be pulled forward. So we potentially could have missed this if this video was in black and white. But because this video is in color, it stands out pretty, pretty clearly. In addition to that, the zap that happens is also black. It's cold. It's not a hot event. It's not an exothermic event like an explosion that we would see. 
it is more akin to a intermediate black hole. This is another thing that the leaker wanted us to see very clearly. And it's important because when we see the satellite footage, the zap looks white. And we believe that's because in the satellite footage, we're looking at a false color IR or false color infrared. Essentially, what I'm saying is that we are looking at this being filmed from nighttime, even though it looks like it's pretty bright in the video. So the leaker had absolute proof from the first video. We ignored it because it was simply too difficult to believe. And then they leaked a second video for us as well, so that there would be no way that we could potentially miss it. Now, I'm of the opinion that this person leaked these videos had to be somebody that either saw the event in real time or was told about it right afterwards and felt so much guilt or reason to disclose it that they you know, had to go ahead and, and break the law by essentially filming this, which I believe to be highly illegal. I can only imagine somebody would have access to this type of satellite, the, the NDAs that they would sign. Mm -hmm. David Grush is up there talking about things that he can't say, as he says a lot, and some of the things he doesn't say. So it's just pretty amazing that he's like, oh, no, no, my, my NDA says I can't say this. But yet he talks about like non-human intelligence and other things that are mind-blowing at the time. Mm -hmm. And you know, for, for this person to film this, I, I would completely agree with you that this is way past breaking the law for them. Yeah, in addition to that, I would also say that the government screwed up in filming this at all. Like just the risk involved with filming this and the fact that it could leak the way that it has seems like a giant mistake to me. And the reason for that is that there's no excuse that the U.S. government can use to explain these videos whatsoever. Perhaps their best excuse would be to say that they created it to try to convince us that it, aliens are real or something like that. But the reality is no one would believe that anyway. They haven't ever exposed this video for any reason. And even if they said that, it would simply implicate themselves in the disappearance of MH370. They're the ones filming it. So there is essentially nothing that the government can say that can explain these videos adequately. Yeah, this is wild. For them, the, I guess, but you can't really film from a satellite. You can't just film the whole world all the time and then zoom in <laughs> yeah. on what you want. I, I think it would seem that you have to know what you're looking at. Yeah, so with respect to the satellite, we have a satellite expert named Martin, who is part of MH370X, who I met early on. And he was already working on finding every single satellite that was out there to determine which satellite could have taken this video. And early on, he had actually identified what we had to believe to be the right satellite, but we had the wrong location. And as we redid the math and found out that the correct location is actually our northern coordinates near the Nicobar Islands, as you mentioned, the Andaman Sea, we realized that the satellite is USA-229, which is a NOS satellite pair that has a sister satellite that is officially classified as debris on Wikipedia. And this satellite pair is essentially in the exact right location at the exact right time around 1840 UTC to film the fence we see at the Nicobar Island in the exact location where the official narrative is that the plane turned into the South Indian Ocean. So essentially what this means is we believe that this plane never turned into the South Indian Ocean, that instead what we see in the videos is what really happened to this plane at the Nicobar Islands location. So I remember when this incident first happened and I'm pretty sure it was like Trevor Noah, you know, the daily show that he was on. Mm -hmm. It was like, Oh, was this plane abducted by aliens? And then like, he <laughs> laughed about it and then went on with it. And then the Malaysian prime minister, he's had some curious comments in general about the plane disappearing. Are you familiar with mm -hmm. any of those? 
Um, not really. So at the time, you know, I wasn't really big into conspiracy theories at the time. I didn't really believe in UAPs or anything like that either. It took until at least 2017 for me to come on board with those types of things. So in addition for us, though, to believe this, not only do we need that 2017 video, but in 2019, Trump had leaked a satellite picture as well. The satellite picture that Trump leaked uh, was determined by Marco Lambrook to be USA 224, which is another satellite that was sent up in 2011, the same exact year that two, USA 229 was sent up. And if you look at that satellite picture, you can see that there are some similarities to our videos. First of all, the satellite that's taking the picture in the Trump leak is a low Earth orbit satellite, meaning it's looking at it from an angle, not from straight down. The satellite footage that we would imagine that looks straight down are from geostationary satellites that are roughly 40 times higher in altitude than low Earth orbit satellites. The key to this is that these low Earth orbit satellites are only in the right location for a small period of time. So with respect to your point about filming the whole world, a big thing that people ask is why were they filming? And the answer is that both the assets that we see would have only been in the right location there to film this if it was either intended that they were going to do it or if they had somehow exactly been lucky enough to film it at the exact right moment and have their assets there. Perhaps they would have responded to some type of event and had those assets be available. Right. So the mainstream narrative is falling apart a little bit here, a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But for the satellites to track it would have to know that the narrative of going to the South Indian Ocean and running out of fuel and crashing was not true at all. And that mm -hmm. they were tracking it almost from the instant that it mm -hmm. went it went dark. So I, I guess it could have followed it as it went for several hours. Like I'll, I'll give them that, that the satellites can, you know, mm -hmm. orbit around or, or move around, whatever they do. And the Malaysian prime minister, you know, they've classified the apparently there's additional recordings after the end where there, there was a handoff where they were going from one section of uh like air traffic control to another mm -hmm. and they call it like a handshake and they're like okay we're passing you off to mm -hmm. here and you say good night to the one person you say hello to the other person all the you know just like little formalities as you're flying and apparently there's some additional conversation that the prime minister has alluded to but it is a, a national security interest to keep it to keep it secret it's big because you know one of the pieces of information that we found uncovered that was only reported in chinese media was that there was an intercepted distress call from MH370 around 2.43 a.m., which if you convert that to Malaysian time is 18.43 UTC, which is roughly three minutes within the time period that we believe the satellite took the video. And that uh, Chinese reported news says that Malaysian Airlines 370, the pilot was reporting that they were in an emergency scenario, that the plane was disintegrating, and that they were going to an attempt an emergency landing which is very interesting because when we look at the videos about what I just mentioned, it looks like the plane is circling and, and trying to land. So there could be, a, it could be very possible that there was communication that was not reported publicly to the media that has been classified, depending on what the narrative is of these videos. Right. That, that is crazy. Mm -hmm. So these UAPs are circling it doing like a North to South. They're not doing, you know, the, the length of the plane, they're doing like the width of it, mm -hmm. like around it. Right. Mm -hmm. And and then this black hole, this portal type thing explodes open and you see the plane disappear. Yet there's also like a little frame where you can see the back tail of the plane. So, yeah. you, like, you know, that's not just like the plane was deleted. Like this isn't special effects or anything like you see it getting pulled in. 
Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And that's something that we just were able to uncover this last week. The most damning evidence actually comes from a lot of the people that have tried to debunk it. So um, one user, uh, KCIMC, I'd like to give them credit on Reddit, was able to point out that the flash from the zap accurately illuminates the clouds in the background and in the foreground, which is incredible because the clouds have so much detail that it would be essentially impossible to fake in 2014 within the time period that we have. And then to accurately add the flash onto that, that's the point where I started to realize that the whole videos are real, not, not just the base part of the videos. So you're talking about the UFOs or, or UAPs are being pulled forward. And that's something that Bob Lazar talked about, that they're mm -hmm. kind of like tilted and then like they're falling forward, but like at a controlled fall. And, and this is, you know, a, a theory is that they're manipulating gravity or space time and actually uh, like almost pulling themselves forward as opposed to, you know, shooting you know, like a fuel out the back and pushing you forward. They're, they're grab, you know, like, like swimming underwater, like a frog, you're grabbing the water and pushing it and pushing yourself forward. I don't know if that's the right analogy or not. It sounded good in my head for a second, but <laughs> no. but that's what these UFOs are. They're they're falling for. They're they're pulling the energy in front of them and pushing it behind almost. So interesting enough, I'm pretty familiar with Bob Lazar and his story, and I find it to be somewhat credible. And I think that with respect to the orbs that we see here, there's some pretty big differences between what Bob Lazar has reported, and I'm not sure how exactly to reconcile them. For one, though, I don't think we see the tilting of the UAP, as Bob Lazar would explain it, from its gravity engine. But to your point, we do see the same type of gravitational effect of the engine happening. So this could lead to a theory that what we're seeing in these orbs is not those same UAPs, but perhaps some similar technology that has been either reverse engineered or just similar technology in general. The other thing I want to point out is that it may be that more evidence that it is nighttime in the video is that that flash. It's possible that that flash we see would not be as illuminated if the sun was out in full force. In addition to that, it may be that these orbs are not visible to the human eye. I want to keep in mind that both of the cameras that we're looking at are infrared cameras. So this means that they might be looking at a spectrum that you don't see with the, with the naked eye. And this is actually corroborated with the witness. There was a witness on a boat who everybody agrees was in the flight path of the MH370 at the Nicobar Islands. The witness was spooked by what they saw, afraid to report it, but did end up reporting it and file an official report that they saw MH370. So in their report, they don't mention any orbs. So the question there then is, did they see orbs and they were too afraid to say so? Or did they see no orbs because these orbs we see are not visible? One thing the witness does report seeing is the black trails. They report seeing black smoke or exhaust that was dark, that seemed like the engine might have a problem with it or that something was wrong with it. They thought it could be fire, but reported not seeing any fire. Although they did see the, the plane in a uniform orange glow, which is pretty interesting and possibly consistent with what we see in the videos. So it is extremely possible that the witness actually saw what we see in the videos in real time. So the smoke coming off, which could be an engine, I guess, burning out mm -hmm. or whatever it does, you know, see it in movies or whatever, the engine starts smoking, and but there's no fire. Are we seeing that smoke on the video? So in the video, we're not sure if what we're seeing coming from the back of the plane is exhaust or if it's smoke. We're fairly confident it's not contrails because contrails only form at high altitudes. 
So it could be exhaust and it, it could be exhaust because what we're looking at is IR cameras. So it can possibly pick up the exhaust much clearer than we would see with the naked eye. Or it could be smoke. And the evidence for it being smoke would be both the witnesses report of seeing the glowing plane. As well, in the thermal, we see a heat signature in the cargo bay of the plane. Keep in mind, this plane had lithium batteries on board it. So if there was some type of emergency event that happened at 1721 UTC at that point where you mentioned it was in the weak point between the different radar systems and they, whatever emergency event that took out all of the electronics caused some type of damage to the plane, it's possible that a fire may have started from those lithium batteries. Now, I don't know that that's necessarily very likely, but it is possible. And depending on what narrative you kind of align with. I would just find that the plane was on fire, hard to believe for the amount of quote unquote debris that was found. Yeah. Do you have anything to speak on about the amount of debris? I, I think it was like yeah. a flap wing was found. If, if you want to go into this, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first one thing about the plane and the emergency and the fire is there was a wired article about the simplest solution is sometimes the best, which essentially said that a fire could explain how the electronics went out and it could explain why they didn't land at Penang when they flew over the top of it by saying that maybe the landing gear had been damaged or the, the tire had started on fire when it took off. And the problem with this theory was that fire can't really take out all the electronics simultaneously like we see. That requires something more akin to electromagnetic jamming or electromagnetic interference with respect to the debris, the little bit of debris that has been linked to the plane is highly contested. The flaperon is the only piece that has been quote unquote confirmed to be linked to the plane, and they confirmed it without a unique serial number I found. It turns out that the plate that had the unique serial number was missing off the flaperon, and you can Google this and find out for yourself. It turns out that the media narratives don't tend to talk about this and leave it kind of vague and misleading. So with respect the to the debris, whoa, whoa, whoa. the media is misleading <laughs> quite a bit, as I've seen oh, from okay. with respect to these it's breaking so, news. Yeah, the debris, though, that that was found there, let's say that, you know, it is actually part of MH370. That's not inconsistent with what we see. There's a quite an energetic event that we see in the video that could have shot off parts of the plane. In addition to that, if what we see is a portal or teleportation of some sort, then it's very possible that, that actually is parts of MH370 that was, you know, disassembled and thrown into the water later on. But I do want to point out that what you mentioned before is that this was the largest, most expensive search in history, and the official search found no pieces of debris above or below water anywhere. This is essentially impossible. If a 777 crashes into the ocean, it's going to leave a debris field so large, you're going to see it from space for days. And the proof this is of this is plane, that, right? Yes, yeah, a very large plane. So when the Wagner guy's plane crashed in Russia, just I think a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. it was a very small plane. And the very next day, we already had satellite pictures of the debris. So the idea that, as, you've, as we talked about earlier, the U.S. government 100% had eyes on this plane. We've proven that with both the satellite that was in location, as well as we have direct statements that say that they use SIBRS, the space-based infrared system, to solve the mystery of MH370, which makes no sense because the mystery has not been solved. So the bit of debris that was found was washed up either on the Reunion Island or in South Africa. And, and one guy who was featured in the Netflix documentary found at least 10 plus pieces. Almost none of these pieces have been linked to the plane. 
only one to three pieces have been linked. And if you go check out CNN or um, some of the other uh, videos that are out there about it, you'll notice it's very tiny portions of the plane relative to the, the whole plane. It's probably less than 1%, maybe even a fraction of 1% of the plane. So overall, when it comes to the debris, what we see in the videos is consistent with the debris. And I, I have not watched the Netflix documentary. I probably should have before this. <laughs> but the debris that was found, I mean, this was weeks later floating in the ocean, in salt water. Years later, not weeks, oh, years sorry, later. Oh, year, I'm sorry. So years later, in salt water. Over a year later. <laughs> corrosive salt water. Have you ever lived at the, the shore by the beach or anything? And you know you have to hose your car off all the time. You the salt water. It, your car will rust out. These things were, were not in the ocean for years. Yeah, so the debris is highly contested, mostly by Jeff Wise, but by almost everybody from the independent group. The independent group is, from what I can tell, the predominant OGs of the MH370 investigation. And so they've actually been quite impartial in terms of investigating. It could have been easy for them to say, yep, that's the debris and we're good. But no, they came back and said, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And some of the pieces of debris, not necessarily the flap run, it, there wasn't enough uh, growth on it at all. With respect to the flaperon, the issue is more of how did it end up floating the way that it did to accumulate the amount of growth that it did. It would have had to have very specific um, patterns and how it floated through the water and stayed partially submerged, but not entirely submerged. You can read more about that on Jeff Wise's blogs, where he goes into extensive detail. He's much more of an expert than I am on it. The point being that the debris is highly contested. The flaperon was very quickly confirmed, even though it didn't have a unique serial number. And then it was just locked up away and nobody's allowed to go see it again. So if you are the type of person that believes in conspiracies, well, there's a lot of red flags going on with the evidence that's been presented. So this this plane, it disappears during the handshake. And how long from the handshake to the video that has come out, the two videos you know that we're talking about what is that time frame from the lost handshake to these videos yep so the plane takes off at 1630 utc at 1721 roughly 50 minutes later that's when the plane goes dark over the south china sea as it's going northeast from kuala lumpur to beijing in that that kind of dead zone that is you know the handoff handshake between different radar systems that's when it turns west and flies all the way across the malaysian landmass and goes directly over Penang Langkawi International Airport. So at, that happens at roughly 1752, I believe UTC is the correct time. And then it goes off into the ocean towards the Malacca Straits and the Andaman Sea, at which point they lose radar at roughly 1822 UTC, 200, and two, 200 to 230 miles west of Malaysia over the water. So at 1840 UTC, over the Nicobar Islands is the point where the official narrative says it turns into the South Indian Ocean. So if we do some basic math there, it's about one hour and 20 minutes from the time when the plane goes dark to the time where we potentially see the video events here, which in my opinion is much more consistent with what you would imagine from some type of emergency event or hijacking scenario relative to the official narrative of a five or seven hour joy, joy ride to the South Indian Ocean that has the plane running completely out of gas. And I want to point out that the official narrative has the plane running on gas. A lot of people say, well, the ocean's really big. It could have crashed anywhere. That's not true. It couldn't have crashed anywhere. We've literally searched every single place that it could have gone. There is nowhere else for the plane to go. It doesn't have any more gas. It can't fly any further. 
Right. They did the math of where it would be. And they, they searched for a long time. And Australia like mm-hmm. really stepped up and kept searching more and more. And there's parts of the plane or like like luggage isn't going to sink to the bottom. There's a lot of air exactly. in, in a suitcase and it would stay floating. Yep. Uh, things Boats sink and people hold on to coolers and luggage and things like that because they're buoyant. Yeah. So in this hour plus time, though, they're not a phone call is being made or anything. So that's a, that's the only thing that's a little suspicious to me that makes it seem like maybe there was a bigger event. Yeah, and that we're not 100% sure about. It gets a little bit vague. So there is at least one report of Philip Wood potentially trying to send a message out. Now, I'm not sure if it's accurate or not. And the reason is that Victor of the Independent Group believes that when the plane went dark, that the uh, all the in-flight entertainment was also turned off, which would potentially mean there would not be any Wi-Fi or any capability to you know, send a message out. So the question kind of really depends on whether or not that's accurate. Because if it's not accurate, then it certainly should be possible for people to send messages out. Now, were those messages censored by certain governments if there was a cover-up? It's really hard to tell. But what we do know is that from the point of 1721 to 1825, this plane was dark. Now, keep in mind, 1825 is still 15 minutes before the time of our videos. So there seems to be a lot of intent in terms of what happened with this plane, because all of a sudden the computer systems come back on right after it gets out of range of Malaysian radar. And it's over the Andaman Sea at that point. So, you know, if you look at it and the whole scenario, it seems like someone was trying to keep this plane difficult to track. But that makes sense. Are there other rumors of communication? So we have we have China. We have a report from China saying that mm-hmm. the pilot said we're disintegrating or whatever. And you would think that he would say, "Hey, we're being circled by things. Like I'm <laughs> seeing stuff, you know, out the yeah. corner of my eye or the front of the front of the plane." And so that didn't happen. So that kind of lends a little bit to maybe these things are outside of our our spectrum mm-hmm. of, of vision. Are, are there so just in an hour? He just never talked though. But then he did at the very end. Well, it's hard to say. We don't. I haven't seen any other reports of any communications or SOS. So, if there were in communication, and let's just say something happened in 1721, and they were able to get in touch with the U.S. government, which seems like the most likely scenario there, no matter what narrative you believe, then those communications would potentially be classified, and we probably would never hear about them. So, if there was communication there, that would be something that the U.S. government would possibly have to tell us now. The reason that seems like a likely scenario is that the Malaysian government didn't respond to the plane going dark. They were criticized very heavily for this and asked why, you know, they didn't go and send, you know, fighter jets or what have you. Well, the simplest explanation is because the U.S. government was already on top of it, right? And they didn't need to send anybody else over there. So there's a lot of scenarios, depending on what you believe, where ultimately the U.S. government is implicated no matter what. Right. And if they were talking to the plane, they're probably going to have them switch channels and then we're talking about you mm-hmm. know, may- maybe classified or scrambled channels that wouldn't be accessed by you know people you know with ham radios whatever you can do you can pick up things yeah and jim stone was one of the first people that was kind of on the conspiracy bandwagon with respect to mh370 and what he posted in his blog was that he believed that there were AWACS, which are i believe like the large radar planes that can both jam the plane and potentially hack it remotely now, the hacking situation was pretty thoroughly debunked by several pilots claiming that the plane, that couldn't happen to the plane. I'm not 100% convinced of that because I also remember a report several years back where supposedly someone did get into, was able to hack one of the in-flight systems and actually 
potentially take control of the plane or be able to turn it. And if it is the U.S. government, I imagine that they would have the technology to be able to do that. So there are several different scenarios in which either someone has taken over this plane or there were actually at least two fake passengers on the board plane that has been confirmed that were using stolen passports that had changed their identity to look more like the people of the passports. This was explained away as them being Iranian refugees that were seeking asylum. The problem with this explanation is that this plane was going from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing. And their explanation is they were trying to get to Amsterdam. So A, they're going the wrong direction. B, if you are using stolen passports, it makes no sense to increase how many legs you have to do and how many countries you have to pass through because you are simply increasing the risk of getting caught exponentially. So if, you know, in a post 9-11 world, it blows my mind that these people were given a pass within like two days after the plane went missing. Because in any other scenario other than the pilot suicide scenario, those are your number one suspects. I've never had a fake passport. If I did and I was trying to get somewhere else, I probably wouldn't land in China, which is one of the more heavily technologically surveyed, you know, cameras everywhere, facial recognition. Mm -hmm probably shouldn't go there like maybe you would go to some other you know second rate country love all your countries love all the countries thanks for listening you know some second rate countries <laughs> or something to, to go through there and make your way to amsterdam yeah it wouldn't be top of top of my list trying to go to china if i'm running a fake passport for sure i would have just yeah. probably taken the direct flight that they literally exists from malaysian airlines from kuala lumpur to amsterdam so and they were spending tens of thousands of dollars for the passports and the tickets so doesn't seem like it would have been a cost-saving measure to me. Right. So that's two of the passengers. Are there any other mm -hmm. interesting, curious passengers on the plane? But, yeah, potentially two more. So one, there was a person who with a green jacket who bypassed security on video that may have been on board the plane. It's pretty difficult to tell. And there was reports of a fourth person that was being investigated, which I have not been able to find any pictures or information about. So I'm not sure, but there could potentially be up to four passengers who are fake passengers on board this plane. Now, keep in mind as well that this plane was filled with about 70% Chinese nationals and another 20 to 25% Malaysian nationals, and then about 11 Indonesian nationals. So the total number of non-Asians on board this plane was extremely small. And these were a couple of them. So if there were fake passengers on board this plane, potentially ones that were let's say hypothetically working with the United States of America, then those would be your you know, number one suspects and they would stick out pretty well on this plane. We need that Texas lady on the plane to point out that that motherfucker is not real back there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We would have pointed out That's, all four uh, of them and we would have had those. This would have been solved. This would never happen in the first place, maybe, you know? <laughs> so, um, there's another thing that happened too that's pretty weird. So <laughs> about 30 minutes before this plane took off, it stopped pinging to one of the two satellites that it was in range of. I found a Reddit post that talked about, looked through all of the, the ping data. And this is when I started to dig through the ping data. And it found that this is very unusual. When the plane was last on the ground in Kuala Lumpur, it switched back and forth several times between IOR and POR. So IOR is the satellite that's sitting over the Indian Ocean. POR is a satellite that's somewhat over Japan, let's say. And these are the two satellites that are both in range of pinging the airplane. 30 minutes beforehand, stops pinging POR, which is the one that's over Japan area or Asia area, and only pings the IOR satellite from that point until the end of the flight. 
like eight hours later. Never touches POR ever again. This is extremely odd because the plane for 50 minutes is flying towards Beijing, towards the east, towards Asia. So for at least several hours, this plane should have pinged to POR at some point, but never does. And the reason why this is important is that if you are trying to track the plane, as we can see from how difficult it was for us to recreate the flight path and figure out where it went, when you have only one satellite, it becomes very difficult because you'll only be able to tell the distance from that one satellite. If you were pinging from two different satellites at two different locations, you would be able to triangulate the position with high degree of accuracy. So this indicates that there was some sort of intent, even before the plane took off, to make this plane difficult to trace. So this portal, this black hole, this anomaly appears. Is there <laughs> anything in the immediate area that's interesting? Are there military bases? Are there yeah, are there military bases? So not really. So there is Diego Garcia military base. And it had been highly suspected that this is the location where the plane had gone very early on. Marc Duguay, who I believe is a famous French author, just a few months after, wrote an article saying that that's where he believed the plane went. And he actually even mentioned that somebody had talked to him, warning him to stop digging into this situation. Kate T., the witness, in 2018 in her blog post, mentions that she no longer thinks that the plane exploded or was shot down and believes that the plane went to Diego Garcia military base. In addition to that, there was also the general conspiracy out there that the plane had gone to Diego Garcia military base because it was simply one of the largest, closest airports that could accommodate and hide the 777 and the passengers. The lithium batteries are being carried. Is there anything else interesting in cargo? So with respect to what's on board the plane, the lithium batteries are interesting. I was also able to find what I believe to be a real manifest that shows that there was some additional special cargo that looks like it might be advanced microchips. To me, though, if you're talking about what we see on these videos and if it's teleportation or just advanced technology or whatever it is, money and material goods are not enough of a not enough to take this type of risk. You need to have something that's more valuable than that. And what else was on board this plane was 20 semiconductor scientists from Freescale Semiconductors. I actually did a podcast just two days ago, and the host of the podcast worked for Freescale Semiconductors when this happened in 2014. He told me firsthand that it was a lot of bigwigs that disappeared, and it was a very big deal because right after that, they ended up selling the company to another large, different company. So the reason how this all adds up is that the scenario, one scenario could be an espionage scenario, where the idea and the motive for this is exactly what we see on the plane, control for this technology between governments. Because whoever controls this type of technology will simply control all military supremacy of the world. So if these scientists were flying from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing, going to China with their intellectual property, potentially to teach China how to you know, use superconductivity, for example, then that would be a motive for the United States government to steal those scientists, essentially. And we believe that the event that we see that zap is teleportation. The reason why we believe that it's teleportation is the only three scenarios that we were able to come up with is annihilation, teleportation, or cloaking. And we were able to rule out two of them. Initially, I thought the event we were seeing was an annihilation event meaning the plane was being deatomized, not vaporized, because if you vaporize something, then vapor is left behind. And we see no vapor in the videos. 
So it would have to be deatomized entirely if that was going to be, you know, disintegrated or what have you. The problem with that is basic science. E equals MC squared. And E equals MC squared essentially says that every bit of matter has a ton of potential energy within it. This is how we're able to create nuclear bombs. So if this was an annihilation event, the amount of energy that would have been released would have been so much that it would have destroyed part of the planet. It would have been much, much more energetic event than what we see in the video. The reason why it is not cloaking is because we see the exhaust just stop the moment that the plane disappears. Even if they were able to cloak every single electromagnetic signature of the plane, we would still see the exhaust going forward. So if it was cloaking, we would just see the exhaust moving, but with no plane there anymore. So that only leaves us one option, teleportation. And what that means is the energy has to go somewhere. So this plane must have gone somewhere else, either to another dimension, to the future, or maybe just over close enough to Diego Garcia military base to fly over there in the dark of night. And we talked about the lithium batteries and the mm-hmm. computer chips. I didn't think that was enough of a reason. If if this is U.S. technology, mm-hmm. I didn't find that to be enough of a reason to, I guess, show this advanced technology. You know, that seems a little extreme. Like mm-hmm. we can't get we 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 can't get a scientist to send us the plans to semiconductors. We, we yeah. have Taiwan doing this. We, South Korea. Like we have a lot of options to get chips. Now, twenty scientists going. You know, that's a little Operation Paperclip type of deal there of taking mm-hmm. you know, the Nazi scientists out of Germany and bringing them here. That's a little more interesting doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a couple key points with this. But first, I want to say that my kind of evolution of what's happened in these videos has been pretty drastic. Like when I first started looking at these videos, I thought, okay, the base video has to be real, but they must have somehow added this effect in somehow. And then after I saw some of the detail about the illumination and talk to VFX experts about how difficult it is to get like orbs to be circling around an object and be able to have that mesh perfectly like it does. I realized that it was all real. And at that point, I thought for sure what we have to be looking at here is non-human intelligence of technology that's thousands of years more advanced than we are right now. The more I dug into it and looked into the intent and looked into the science behind it, I started to realize that I think that all the science of what we see can be perfectly explained within the how we understand science here today in 2023 with superconductivity, with AI, which is what I think we're seeing when we're seeing these orbs in their pattern go around the plane. It's simply too perfect for humans to be flying those, possibly too perfect for your you know non-human intelligence to even be flying those. I'm also not sure that what we're seeing even has significant mass. It could be that what we see as the orbs is simply an energetic shell or some type of field that's being created to allow these orbs to float and have this gravitational effect. So as I kind of evolved through the investigation, I've come to determine that I believe the most likely scenario is that this is actually reverse engineered technology controlled by the U.S. government. And then the question really is, why take this risk? Everybody on the various spaces I've been doing, that's kind of one of the hottest questions is if you have the capability to teleport a plane, you know, why are you doing it? Why not? There's got to be an easier way to get this all done that doesn't include having to deal with 200 plus passengers, right? And I think that's probably the most difficult thing to explain. But to the point that we just brought up, if this really is a shadow war for this technology, then that's enough of a motive. This isn't the first time. So let's say US government. It's interesting that you said the orbs. 
that you think they might not even have matter to it, which goes back to this, mm-hmm. you know, the German technology in World War II, the, the, the U.S. fighter mm-hmm. pilots would talk about these Foo Fighters, but these glowing yep. orbs they would see in the sky. And, you know, they've kind of gone away for the most part. You didn't hear about it in Vietnam War. You didn't hear about it in the Iraqi wars or anything. So this isn't just a wartime orb happening. So this is happening over Nazi Germany. Operation Paperclip we just talked about, they're coming back. Now you're seeing orbs again with no mass. Kind of goes a little hand in hand that if this is U.S. technology, you know, this is something that they, you know, this could have been back engineered from the 1940s. And now, you know, we're just been working on it for, you know, was that 80 years? Yeah, it's uh, to me, the funny part is that it's actually scarier to me if it's our technology than if it's just non-human intelligence. Because if it's non-human intelligence, like I can avoid the jungle, right? I don't go to the jungle messing around with the tigers. But when it's our own government's orbit planes and people, that's what spooks me a little bit. And I actually have a theory as to why they did it with a plane. Because if you think about what we see here with this black hole, realize this black hole is a 3D event, right? And it's not just at the same level as the plane. It's below the plane, above the plane, surrounding the plane. So if this was a boat, then you would also have to teleport part of the water that's underneath it. If this was on land, you'd have to teleport some of the mass that's with it as well. So it could be that the plane in motion in the air is one of the more easy things to teleport. Yes, there are still particles that you would have to deal with, but those particles would be a lot less massive than the particles of water or rock, et cetera. I think that's a good point. You know, you see boats and just as much boat as you see above the water, there is below the water. So if you're Mm going to teleport a boat, how much of that actual water are you bringing now? And maybe you don't want to put it into a warehouse. Next thing you just flooded that warehouse for how much water is in there. Yep. There's one other point that I forgot to mention with respect to the debris that's really important. um, And that proves that this plane didn't crash into the ocean, which is there's at least three different systems that should have heard the plane crash into the ocean. The SOSA system, which was declassified, is the system that we heard that the Navy admitted to heard the Titan sub pop. And they admitted they said nothing for five days after they heard the Titan sub pop while there was oxygen counters on CNN and all the major news and everybody was wondering when these people were going to run out of oxygen. So the government is fully comfortable lying to us about what they know and what they don't know. In addition to that, there's a similar system called the Jorn system, which is Indonesia system that should have also heard it. And then there was also the Diego Garcia hydrophone, which should have heard it as well. In addition to the rumors that Diego Garcia radar can extend for thousands of miles and should have been able to track the plane as well. Not just that, too, but I also made a post just yesterday about how the passenger phones were ringing on national television, Chinese national television, for up to four days after the event. And this, a lot of the people in my comments basically were able to prove that this is 100% impossible, that the plane, that any phone that's submerged in salt water more than like a foot deep is going to be dead almost instantly and not going to be able to transmit. In addition to that, we've also looked at where the cell towers are, and they do not reach out into significantly out into the ocean. They essentially only cover, you know, s- some miles out into the water slightly. So there is no reasonable conclusion by which these phones could keep ringing. And it's not just one phone. Not only do we have a video that proves that somebody was calling them on TV, 19 families wrote a joint statement to the government claiming that they were all able to communicate and wanting them to investigate the situation. So there's a ton of evidence that says that somehow this plane never crashed in the ocean. No debris, no signals, phones still ringing. And we also found a quote from somebody who requested a a Freedom of Information Act request for the DSP detection, 
which is an impact detection that was ignored in 2014 as well. Wow, that phone evidence is pretty amazing. I mean, just think if your phone dies and you're calling a friend or a loved mm-hmm. one and it goes right to voicemail, uh, exactly. you turn your phone off right to voicemail. So yep. that phone has to be active, which then for me, I would say that has to be, if, if it's US, it has to be Earth-based technology and that plane is still on Earth if it's ringing. You know, I, I doubt that's what I thought too. Mm-hmm. The Martians have cell towers that are, you know, Verizon capable or whatever. Or if you're in an alternate dimension, I guess. I mean, I don't know if alternate dimensions can still do phone calls, but to me, it's pretty strong evidence that this plane was somehow still on Earth. Yeah. And so not in the water. I, that's good. That's fascinating, man. No, so I was just mm-hmm. saying, like, this, this isn't the first time that they're rolling this technology out if it's US technology. Like, you have to test this on a little Cessna plane. Mm-hmm. You have to test this and, like, kind of like work your way up, like, hey, can we really get. Can we capture 777? What happened to those people? Like, where did they go? Like, that's so you're ready for besides, this. But besides MH370, all the people they tested on, where did they go? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Yeah, let's so, go. so let's talk about that. So first of all, there was a second plane that was a copy of MH370 that was purchased in October 2013 by GA Telesis. This plane was far too early to be getting scrapped, and its whereabouts seemed to be mysterious. No one really knows. So. Uh, this GA Telsis company, I did a deep dive. I haven't written it up yet. Long story short, it was started by a military veteran who's only 34 years old, who had no prior work experience, that all of a sudden is just now in charge of a multi-billion dollar plane purchasing company that seems to have a lot of links to intelli- U.S. intelligence. So if they were using, if they did have that plane, they could have used it to you know, practice this. They could have used it as a decoy. They could have used it to drop debris into the water. They could have even used it to entangle the plane, potentially, if we believe that quantum entanglement was partially at play here for teleportation. So there's a, a lot of theories about what they might have done with respect to that. And then what was your other follow-up? Uh, but yeah. What happened to the people? I mean, you know, the people. Oh, yeah, the that, people. I, yeah. Yeah. So the people, that's an interesting part. Now, my personal opinion is that they didn't kill the people. First of all, it just seems a little bit too dark to me. Second of all... They didn't disappear the witness, and they haven't disappeared me, and I've been blowing this up for many weeks right now. So it seems to me that they're not that cruel, potentially. And it because, as I pointed out before, there was only several nations that were involved in this. It seems very possible that they could have made a deal with China to send back you know, the passengers that they didn't want to keep for an agreement that the Chinese government would keep those passengers quiet, which I think would be no problem at all for the CCP. Malaysia, Barack Obama, stayed with the prime minister of Malaysia for two days after the event, which was somewhat unprecedented. So it could be possible that he was working a deal with Malaysia to keep them quiet and to not mention it, to bring their the people back. With respect to the crew, actually in 2020 or 2021, someone noticed on the Facebook page that all the crew have doppelgangers on Diego Garcia Island, that there appear to be people that look very similar to the pilot, the co-pilot, and the crew. Now, you know, not all two people look, you know, not all Asians look the same, I don't want to say, but if you go look at those pictures, you'll see they do look pretty similar considering the fact that these people would be aged, you know, six or so more years. So there is actually a lot of evidence that, you know, this plane did land there and that those people were somehow still okay. Now, it's not a guarantee and I don't want to give anybody false hope with that respect, but this is quite the mystery that needs to be uncovered. In addition to that, the families of the victim, the families of the victims have gone quiet. Nobody has reached out to me, despite the fact that I've been blowing this up to millions of impressions across social media. 
I've actually reached out to several family members that I was able to find from the MH370 uh, Netflix documentary. And none of them have reached out to me either. I have been able to get in touch with the witness. And she is actually working now with us. And we hope to have some significant updates in the near future. So there is a lot... Yeah, it's really awesome. Uh, we're super excited about working with the witness, and that could be the break that we need to prove the authenticity of these videos. Interestingly enough, her last tweet, which was in 2022, also mentions that the families of the victims have gone silent. And she mentions that the, the silence is sinister. So even the witness, who was very invested in the whole situation, and if she was lying, then she was really dedicated to the lie eight years later, had suspicions that something was wrong with this plane and the passengers. So they could have sent the passengers back. And then with respect to the Western passengers that would have been on the plane, there would have been very few, you know, maybe just a handful. And yeah, one of those a, passengers... A husband yeah, in Texas, I think, and his wife yeah. and child were on that plane. And, and he was big in the media in the beginning. And I, I don't know what happened to him. So Philip Wood was the big American that was on board this plane. I believe he was an IBM executive. Mm-hmm. And his girlfriend, uh, Sarah, went on TV. And actually, I posted a picture of her being on CNN a month after the event. And her claiming that she believes the plane was abducted slash hijacked. Just straight up a month after the event. This was well into the narratives. And he pretty much said what we've been saying about the situation. Now, Philip Wood... Also, a picture was posted on 4chan, a black picture, and along with it, the claim that it was from Philip Wood and he was being held captive somewhere where he didn't know and that he believed he had been drugged and not able to think clearly. When they looked at the EXIF data of this picture, it pointed it at Diego Garcia military base. I just went ahead and earlier today was able to conclusively debunk the debunk that Claim that this picture was fake. It is not. The picture appears to be authentic. And the people that are claiming it is fake appear to be lying about it and potentially covering up the situation. So this conspiracy is in full effect. And there is a lot of evidence that somehow this plane ended up in Diego Garcia. That's amazing. Have there been any reports? So after 9-11, there were you know the 19 hijackers, whatever, but then they found like half of them we're just alive in Pakistan and just walking around, like not connected whatsoever. But the pictures that they would put on CNN and Fox News, like that wasn't the people who were on the plane. Are there, are you aware? Are there any of the passengers? Like, are they around? So, are they- I mean, that's the big question. That's the burning question, right? Is if these people are out there and they made deals with them, you know, how are they keeping them quiet? Where are they, right? If Philip Wood was sent back somehow after they convinced him that. He's got to stay quiet. My opinion is they would put him in witness protection, right? That's how you disappear someone in the United States, right? And you say, okay, you know, we'll let you live your life, but you can't talk to anybody ever again. You can never go back to the people that you cared about before, et cetera. Those would be probably the most difficult ones to deal with. But in my opinion, if you pay them, you know, a few million bucks, who, who says no at that point, as long as you get to stay alive, right? And not be in a dark cell or something like that. But ultimately, that's the question is if they did teleport this plane, what do they do with the people? How are they able to keep them quiet? And where are they today? I know China's internet's very heavily censored. I, I don't mm-hmm. know much about Malaysia. But if a Westerner was in witness protection, I would just have such a hard time believing that, that they just, you're like, I'll just log into Facebook. I'll just create a fake Facebook account. Like you would <laughs> reach out to something like there's, I think it's really hard to cut ties if you care about somebody. 
And it's just so easy with social media. Like before in the 80s, hey, the mob had to go into witness protection. Like, yeah. what are you going to do? Write a letter to somebody? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, it's so easy. Just like, hey, I'm going to take a little selfie on this disposable camera that I got at Rite Aid and, you know, disposable cell phone. And I can just tweet it out to, yeah, I don't know. But this whole story is just wild. Yeah, but to what end, right? Because think about it this way. People saw two videos of this in 2014 and no one thought they were real. Philip Wood potentially put a picture up on 4chan and everyone debunked it and thought it was fake. Like how much hope do you have that anyone's going to believe anything that you say if you do anything like that, right? When everything is clearly being covered up. And keep in mind as well that, you know, according to the Twitter files and other reports that have been out there, the government controls social media. You know, I've actually suspected them of ghost banning my account, which I did get ghost banned early on in this process. So the idea that, you know, somebody would just post on social media and blow the whole thing up is not as founded in reality as people like to believe. I guess that's true. One thing I want to point out as well is with respect to other conspiracy theories, I'm not linking this to anything else. You know, this is not linked to MH17, which is another tragedy that was shot down by a buck missile launcher. This is not linked to 9-11. This is not linked to COVID. I know some people have tried to link it to that through some patent that was on board the plane. This is just its own conspiracy. And it's not even a theory. It's a conspiracy that is verifiable. And that's what makes it such a strong case, is that everything that I've put out there is data that can be verified, either through the videos themselves through the investigative work of the community, through my own work, or theoretically by the US government. So that's why this is so important is that we can validate every aspect of these videos. Right, this is conspiracy at the literal definition of two people mm -hmm. or entities working in hand to hide something. And you have Malaysia exactly. and the US working together to hide this. This isn't, you know, people listen to my show, I get down some rabbit holes depending on who my guest is. but. This is very legitimate of what we're talking about here. I want to point out that I'm not telling anybody what to think with respect to these videos. I have my own opinions, of course, which I'm happy to let people know what they are. But I just want to make sure that these videos come out and are shown that that is MH370 and that the U.S. government was looking at it. And whatever they want to try to explain to us, I will be there listening in the front row to call bullshit at whatever thing they tell us. And if people want to believe that they are non-human intelligence or ghosts, spirits, or whatever other narratives may come around this, I'm totally fine with that. And I think that's the beauty of these videos is that they have a little bit of something for everybody, depending on what your personal beliefs are. These videos, they're really just fascinating. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes and all that so people can definitely check this out. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else you want to cover on the analysis of the video? I'm checking through right now. One point about Diego Garcia that I want to mention as well is that Almost 20% of all of Space Force is at Diego Garcia military base. This base, I believe, is potentially the new Area 51. It is not open to commercial craft. They actually had a landing stop in April of 2014, which lends credit to the idea that there was something on the island that they didn't want people to you know, run across and see. There was a sighting of a passenger plane roughly 50 miles north of Diego Garcia flying low in the early morning, so low that the people on the island could make out the windows of the passenger plane. The Black Vault did a Freedom of Information Act request showing that this was a CIA black site in the past, meaning it does have prisons potentially that could hold someone like Philip Wood at the bottom of it. 
There was tens of millions, if not $100 million in contracts that were given to Black construction for dredging and other activities, which Black construction's mission statement and purpose basically said that they do extensive, elaborate building that makes me believe that essentially they're building underground facilities for this base. And Lockheed Martin actually won a contract for upgrading the water and power there as well, which seems a little bit understated. So there's a lot of evidence that this is some type of secret base that has something going on underneath it as well. Now, with respect to other analysis of it, the thing that I want to talk about is the science real quick behind it, because a lot of people think that what we're looking at here is science fiction. But surprisingly, the more that I've dug into it, it seems more like science fact or science theory at the minimum. So wormholes have actually been shown to be theoretically possible by at least three scientific papers in the last three years. They all argue that exotic matter is not required to create the wormhole, which is very important because everyone thought you would need antimatter in order to create a wormhole. And if that's not necessary and we can use elements that we have freely available, then it becomes theoretically possible for us to create them. The papers then go on to say that the wormholes would be humanly traversable, meaning that you would be able to go through that wormhole and survive. And they do argue that there would be a gravitational effect, but that gravitational effect would not be strong enough to kill you. The last paper argued that you could create a thin shell, either of matter or field, around an object that would allow that object to pass through entirely through the black hole or through the wormhole, however you want to think of it. All the papers also describe the wormhole as an intermediate black hole. And that to me is consistent with what we see in the zap, which is not a tiny black, black hole, but a medium sized one, I suppose. The orbs themselves might be superconductive, which is important because if you've been tracking scientific progress recently, you'll notice that LK99 was something that has been on the forefront since about March. I personally believe that we are, humanity is on the verge of superconductivity. And superconductivity is essentially floating rocks. And that's at least one aspect of it. So there are videos out there from Korea and China that show flux pinning, which is this LK99 substance floating. And not just floating, but being stuck floating over a magnet, similar to what we would expect UAPs to be doing. So some possibilities of what these orbs could be doing is they could be cleaning the area of unwanted particles because those papers mention that if any unwanted particles fall into the black hole, it could cause it to collapse. So they could be cleaning the area of particles that are not wanted. They could be entangling the plane, as we mentioned before, if what we see is quantum teleportation, or they could be inducing the mouth of the wormhole itself. And they could also be acting as that barrier that we were talking about, one of those papers that protects the plane, allowing it to go through. In addition to that, I also found that there's a real patent for a magnetic vortex wormhole generator, which pretty much describes what we have, but doesn't talk about three orbs. The interesting idea about three orbs is three is the minimum number that you need to create a two to create a shape on a two-dimensional axis. So you can create a triangle, right, with a three orbs, which would theoretically be enough for a plane to pass through. So it may be that three is the minimum number that you need in order to generate a wormhole for a three-dimensional object. 
So that's just some of the additional science. Yeah, it is pretty amazing because I also learned that quantum teleportation has been proven by the Chinese several times over. And they're actually just continuing to set the record for how far they can quantum teleport information. And quantum teleportation goes all the way back to the double slit experiment, which essentially tells us that when we try to observe which of two slits we pass a photon through, that it breaks down the wave function. What this means is in layman's terms is that the universe is aware that we're looking at it and is able to react. And what that was able to show us is that non-locality is real and that entanglement is real, meaning that over long distances, two objects can be tied together in a way where if you change the spin on one, the you can tell what the spin on the other is, essentially passing information over infinite distance faster than the speed of light. So it could be that we're seeing quantum teleportation, or it could just be that we're seeing an actual wormhole, and that's what they look like. So pretty amazing either way. Either way, I, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. So you, this video, you, you've been the forefront of this. You've been putting this out. This has been on mm -hmm. like Twitter spaces. You've been, you've been all over different socials putting this out there and mm -hmm. looking for it to be debunked, right? Yeah, I mean, initially, especially, you know, I, I wanted this to get debunked so that I wouldn't have to be worrying about it. But the more that people have debunked it, the more that it has become authentic. In fact, the debunkers have essentially given up because every time they try to debunk something, all they were doing was proving the authenticity further. And now, you know, I'm at the point where I am 100% certain that these videos are authentic, every single bit of them, surprisingly enough. Now, of course, I'm still open to new information coming in, but we're at the point now where we have so much comprehensive evidence that you can't just debunk this by saying that, oh, this part doesn't look right. You know, you have to have a comprehensive story for who faked this? How do they know, you know, what military equipment should look like, a military video should look like? How do they know we would never find a plane 10 years later, right? If you hoax this and you show a plane disappearing and then we find the plane a month later, it's going to look pretty stupid. So... There is simply too much evidence that rules out that this could somehow be fake. Not to mention the fact that you only have maximum of 72 total days to create a 3D model to, that allows you to create three different videos from three different angles, all in perfect synchronization with no apparent uh, graphical issues whatsoever. And that's really important that bringing up like if the plane tomorrow washed onto Madagascar, you know, South Africa, you're like, oh, mm -hmm. that was that. But that hasn't happened for 10 years. Yeah, we're never going to find this plane. I'm 100% certain about that. Um, and if the plane does show up at some point, then especially now, after this has already been reported on, well, it's going to be extremely suspicious. You know, They so wouldn't have the 10 point, years of growth in the ocean, though, with it. Exactly. Like, it would be, it'd be would really hard. The evidence. Right. Yep. They would have to do that the second that they disappeared the plane. would be like, oh, submerge it here next to this island. At this point, there's no way to cover it up, right? Like every time they try to lie to us, we're going to be able to prove it. And that's part of the reason why I believe so many people are staying silent on this. You know, if this was fake, like just compared to the Nazca mummies, how many people were out there making statements about how fake the, the mummies are, right? The reason why no one in the media doesn't want to talk about this is that I'm sitting out here waiting for people to lie about it. And when they do, they're going to get decimated. So people are simply too afraid to make statements about it because they know they'll get caught up in a lie. Yeah, I mean, the videos are out there. The analysis is there. It sounds like you have some good people working there with you, mm -hmm. analyzing it, you know, the clouds lighting up behind, you know, the three videos matching up. Somebody went back and was checking the cloud patterns for that day through 
a weather app, I believe, right? And they were able to match that's what the clouds were looking like. Yeah. So, um, you know, Ken from Twitter was actually, he's one of the OGs when it comes to investigating this, I found out. When I was looking through the witnesses' old tweets, I found her retweeting him from back from 2014, 2015. And he has his own theories and investigation that he's running parallel to ours. But it turns out that a lot of the facts and evidence line up in both of our stories and narratives that we are building. One of the other pieces of evidence that I wanted to bring forward that I hadn't yet, which I think is very important, is how we're able to prove that the videos are not CGI and they're 100% real without any graphical analysis whatsoever. Is that one of the people who was trying to debunk the videos noticed that the mouse had a different frame rate than the rest of the video. This ended up actually proving that the videos are authentic and that what we're seeing is a Citrix session logged in to the actual Intel database. The person who recorded this was not using a phone or a camera to record it. They were using their actual computer while they were directly logged in, probably under their own login. And what this meant was that what we see when they're remotely navigating around the satellite view, we can see that that's at six frames per second. That's why the plane looks kind of jittery when it's moving, right? But the overall Citrix session over the top is at 24 frames per second. So we can actually see that difference built into the video which tells that this is authentic because a hoaxer would never even know to fake something like that into the video. And that's in addition to the fact that there are multiple versions of the video and the later versions that were released were actually higher quality than the regicide Anon version, meaning that they did not get that version from regicide Anon because it would have had to come from an alternate source. You can't make a higher quality version from a lower quality video. So there's a ton of circumstantial evidence and direct evidence in the videos that this is all 100% real, and that the person that leaked this knew they were going to get caught. There was no way that they were going to be able to cheat the Citrix session and somehow delete the logs of them logging in there. They did this with specific intent. They cropped out the Predator drone from the satellite. That's why you don't see it. It's actually just off the screen on the north side of the video. And there's probably other assets that they cropped out as well. I highly doubt that those are the only two assets in the area. There may have been other planes, boats, other situations, most likely planes. And the witness also reported seeing two other planes in the area. So the person that leaked this, I don't think they were like a spy or anything like that, because it seems like they only gave us the minimum amount of information that we needed to solve the case. They, if it was somebody who's just trying to you know, blast them, they wouldn't have removed the HUD data from the thermal. You know, they wouldn't have cropped all this stuff from the satellite. They would have just shown the whole thing. Or if they were a spy, they wouldn't even have leaked this publicly, right? They would have just given it to their home country and not told anybody about it. So ton of evidence for the intent behind how it was filmed um, and how they're authentic. And I, I'm very worried about the person that leaked this. Um, just two days ago, there was a New York Times article that came out that said somebody who had stolen secret spy satellite video of Africa was facing life to the death penalty for having done that. You can find that article. I believe it was the 23rd that that article came out. So the, the penalties for stealing and leaking this type of information is extremely severe. And I hope that one day I can meet uh, who I've dubbed Agent 370, who is the person who potentially leaked these videos, because to me, they're a personal hero of mine, somebody who risked everything to bring us the truth. Yeah, you have to hope. I mean, how you can track things if the guy's logged in under his credentials, it, it mm -hmm. seems like, you know, I, he had to have been found out. Yeah, man or so, woman. We don't necessarily no, person, know, but right, absolutely. Right, right, right. Yep. Yes, yes, correct, correct.
All right. So why you, man? Why? What, how did this all come down <laughs> to you? Why are you leading the charge? How do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, you know, I never expected any of this in my life. I never thought I would be anybody particularly special or anything like that. I happen to be in the right place at the right time. As it was happening on Reddit and other social media, I just started collating all the data, pulling it all together. Once I saw that information about the Citrix session, I knew we had something serious and real here. And that's when I started writing about it. And I didn't even want to be the person to write about it. In my mind, before I had dug into this, I thought that the, the media would be all over this, right? The moment that Citrix session stuff came out and we started blasting it, I thought we'd have every single media station begging to pick the story up and run it and try to figure it all out. The reality is nobody did. Not a single media station to this day has reached out about it. Now, small, smaller um, company or organizations like podcasts and some other people have. So if you go back through my history, I've been 100% transparent about everything all the way through from the start of this investigation. And I said, if nobody would pick up this and, and write about it, that I would do it. And that's what I've done. And the reason why I've done that is this is an opportunity that cannot be missed. This might be the very last opportunity that we have as the public to set disclosure on our own terms. The reason for that being that nowadays with deep fakes and AI, everything can be faked. Any videos that come out after this point will always have plausible deniability because they could have always been created by an AI. These videos are proven to be from 2014 meaning that these videos predate AI significantly. Heck, in 2014, AI seemed like it was 100 years off to me. So, you know, and like I said before, the nature of these videos leave no room for ambiguity in terms of excuses, right? There is nothing that the U.S. government can possibly say. And that's the reason why they're probably so silent on this and why they forced the media to be silent. Because the only play they have is to ignore it and hope it goes away. Because anything they say will simply implicate them further. So there are certain circumstances in addition to that, why I am a strong candidate to be the person to lead the charge. And in the very near future, when I reveal my full identity, I will make the circumstances of all that known and be fully transparent about everything. But for right now, just know that I have my own personal reasons as well. And, you know, I'm willing to, you know, be the martyr for this cause if absolutely necessary. To me, this is not a chance that I'm willing to let go, and I'm not willing to let anybody set the narratives either. And I've been consistent about that from the beginning. I'm not going to let anybody make a joke out of this, and I'm not going to let them ignore this. These videos are going to come out, and I'll be sure of it. I think that's great. So through social media, through Twitter and things like that, besides like my weird, weirdo account, has any other interesting accounts started following you? Have government accounts? Have anything of that nature you've been able to, to so we out? have like a huge following at this point and i am not really right, looking right, into right. any particular person you know but there's some people that have really big followings who have been kind of you know jumping along getting into this so in my opinion we're to the point where with the dam is about to burst right and it's barely being held back at this point you know i i think that we have some exciting stuff coming in the near future which i can't announce just yet but I do hope this reaches national tension in the very near future. And if that happens, then everything is going to unravel. It's really as simple as that. As you guys have heard, as you've heard on this podcast right now, the amount of evidence is overwhelming. It's undeniable and it's verifiable. So the moment that this gets out, everybody's going to begin to know the truth. They're going to realize that the government's been lying about these false narratives for the last nine years. And potentially it's going to destroy trust in the government for those who still have some. 
for those three people out there, it will destroy your trust in the government. <laughs> but it's yeah. it's a shit too. These these videos, one, the narrative from the beginning was just bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like a plane has never mm-hmm. completely disappeared. They're like, oh exactly. look, we we found a little piece of metal. Like, not not it. And yeah. now these videos are coming out, and there's multiple versions of it, and they're all matching up. Mm-hmm. And you can go back and look at satellite data for the weather. Mm-hmm. Way way too much for it to be a coincidence. Yep. So yeah, it's it's going to be egg in the face of of government or whoever's doing this, you know, and if they ever take responsibility or acknowledge it. At this point, though, you don't need them to. I mean, for the, the next steps yeah. that that you have planned, hopefully, that this can really just put closure to everything. Yeah. Quickly, I want to address the weather though again, because I don't think I adequately addressed it. But the weather patterns actually do look to be exactly like what we see in the videos. Though those clouds you see in the weather are those low cumulus clouds they're very small clouds and the analysis that was done shows that you know the clouds are in at least a very similar looking location to where we would expect from the video now i'm not the type of person that's going to do like weather analysis and say that that's the exact you know right angle what have you because you know those times when those pictures were taken was a snapshot not necessarily the exact moment that our video was taken but it is strong evidence that the weather was you know consistent with an area at that time. And then with respect to the disclosure of this, I don't think that the government even can admit this, like just not whether or not they want to, like literally not allowed to is what I think the situation is. And what that means for us is that we simply have to make it self-evident. We have to have everybody simply realize and know that the official stories are completely full of crap. And that the truth is that whatever we see in the videos is the reality of what happened to MH370. And if we reach that point, it doesn't matter whether or not the government admits it or not, that everyone will just know. And I think if we do reach that point, then the government will come out and say, you got us, kind of like they did with the 2017 videos, right? It took 10 years for those videos to be authenticated. And those videos were debunked too initially, conclusively, until they were authenticated. So there is a lot of similarities between our videos, which were once upon a time debunked and now are undebunked as well. Right. It'll be interesting to see what else comes out with the current disclosure narrative with David Grush and, and those other guys coming out with the technology that they're saying, and then what we can see in, in this MH370 video, and then compare some of those things that they're talking about. Good. And I have the utmost respect for David Grush, and I actually believe everything he's saying to be true. I find him very credible. I am a proponent of disclosure. Uh, although I'm a pessimist, I don't think that they are going to give you give us disclosure on any timetable that we are going to be happy with. With respect to these videos and the technology, I think it's simply too much, right? Like if you had half of what's going on in these videos, it would still be the biggest conspiracy ever. The fact that we see this technology that appears to be so far beyond what people are ready for is the ontological shock factor that people can't deal with. You know, I've been in a lot of UFO and conspiracy communities over the last few weeks trying to meet people. I was never part of these communities before, but to understand their beliefs and, you know, how people think about these types of things. And one thing that I asked someone was, you know, what kind of technology do you think is being hidden? And the answer, you know, that kind of caught people off guard. Because everyone looks at it from an optimistic standpoint, oh, they're hiding green energy. You know, we could make everything green and solve the problems with the environment. But there's a dark side that comes with that too, right? Just like the, the greenest power is actually nuclear power. And yet we're trying to move away from nuclear power because we don't think it's safe, right? And that same thing will apply to any other advanced technology. Yes, we might be able to have fusion power, which can give us clean power. 
but that's also going to give us fusion bombs, right? Or potentially black holes. Maybe black holes, these black holes can destroy the planet, right? If that's the case, then I'd almost argue that it's justified in hiding this information from humanity. Unfortunately, as I mentioned before, they're hiding the reality of MH370. So even if that is the case, the truth is going to come out here and they shouldn't have filmed it and done this if they wanted to keep it secret. Right. I'm excited to see what comes out next. I, I'm, I'm excited for, for your journey. I'm excited for your upcoming announcements. What do you have next that you can tell us? Where can people find you? Where can they follow you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the best places to follow are either on Twitter. And again, my Twitter handle is at JustXAshton. Or we also started our own subreddit, which has been taking off wildly the last few days. It's only been up for about a week, but that's MH370X. And that's the same hashtag you can use if you want to find all my content. So all the content related to this investigation, I've tagged with the hashtag MH370X. So you can find all of it. It's not too late to get involved with the investigation. We are still uncovering a ton of stuff. I've got a list of supplemental facts that I haven't written up yet, as well as archived evidence that we that the Discord that we have has been put together. And if you want to be part of our Discord, you can find that link in my Twitter profile. So we are actively digging for more because there really can't be too much evidence. You know, we're trying to pile the evidence so high that you again it becomes undeniable and just self-evident. So you can find us there. We welcome it. And all we ask is that you be respectful, right? We just don't want people who are out there being disrespectful to us. And we want people that are trying to solve the mystery, not trying people who are trying to put up roadblocks. We don't care what narrative you believe in, so long as you're trying to solve it. I like it. I think that's great. I'm going to put all these links in the show notes. I, I can't wait till you force the government to come out and say this. I'm like, I know Ashton. He was on my show. I know him. So, <laughs> That'll know, be an uh, awesome day. <laughs> That'd be an awesome day, man. I sincerely appreciate it. Open door policy, man. When you blow the lid off, you got to come on. I need an update, but I'll be supporting oh, you. I'll be following you, retweeting your stuff, man. You're a friend of the program. I sincerely appreciate it. Do you have anything else you want to cover? No, I think that's about it. Thanks a lot, Brian, for having me on. And when we do blow this thing up, I'll be happy to come back on and do a follow-up podcast with you. I think that'd be great. I, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Follow Ashton. Check the show notes. I'll have everything in there for you. Have a good night. All right, everyone, that was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date in all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guest. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time. 